What's happening guys? Sam Adams here and welcome to a brand new episode of Cabinet today for May the 29th of 2019. My name is Samuel Adams and welcome to today's show. Of course, for those that are brand new to the program, this is a daily gaming news podcast where I bring you the hottest gaming news from around the industry and I let you guys know what is going on to keep you up to date and informed five days a week, Monday through Friday at or around 7 a.m. Eastern Time. If you did want to catch up on the hottest gaming and entertainment news of the day. Now today we have a plethora, and I truly mean a plethora, of Pokemon information. We have a brand new Pokemon Go peripheral. It's called Pokemon Go Plus Plus. I'm not even kidding. On top of that, a sleep tracking Pokemon game. Again, I feel compelled to reiterate, not even kidding. What? On top of that, even more news about Pokemon Sword and Shield, including Pokemon Home, which is looking to be potentially the biggest improvement for Pokemon in quite a while. And of course, even more stuff to dive in with everybody's favorite little hypothetically non-existent monsters. On top of that, we have a tease for some Halo Master Chief collection for PC news. Kojima has a tease for Death Stranding, which more info is going to be coming on May the 30th for, but we already have a pre-order page up on the PlayStation Store, so it could be very soon when you get your hands on Death Stranding. Nintendo officially confirms Super Mario Maker 2 will have no online friend play functionality, a big drop of the ball in my opinion. The world's largest gaming festival is coming to Singapore in 2020. Twitch has cracked down on some terrible content that was streamed via the Artifact directory over the weekend. I did want to talk about this yesterday, but it didn't quite fit into the schedule, so now we're going to be talking about that today. Superhot has hit a big, big lifetime sales milestone, and we have the official classification by the World Health Organization of Gaming Disorder. Again, a story that broke over the weekend, but one that I didn't have time to talk about yesterday, so we're going to be talking about it today. Uh, but that pretty much rounds out today's top gaming news, and I do hope you guys enjoy the show as we get into it. But without further ado, let's go ahead and dive into today's top stories. First off, four new Pokemon games and apps have been announced, including a street sleep tracker consulted on by Snorlax, who is, of course, a professional in the field. Overnight, the Pokemon company announced four new Pokemon games and services during a brief but busy press conference. A new Detective Pikachu game, a new cloud-based Pokemon storage and trading service, a new mobile game where you battle legendary trainers, and a sleep tracking app so you are never free of Pokemon, even while literally unconscious. The new Detective Pikachu game will act as a sequel to the first one that was released on 3DS back in 2016. If you have not played it and have only seen this year's Ryan Reynolds starring Detective Pikachu film, it is worth knowing the movie is only loosely based on the game and that this new sequel will offer a different ending to the one you saw play out on screen. No spoilers, but you know the moment that they mean. I don't. I never saw the movie. There is no footage or release date yet. Also, no word on Danny DeVito but don't hold your breath. Next up, we have Pokemon Home. This app for Switch and smartphone is your next-gen Pokemon bank storage service with trading features built in to swap pocket monsters between friends or others worldwide. There is no word yet on pricing or a subscription plan, and it will launch in early 2020. From the looks of the graphic as seen above, Home will offer a one-way transfer between existing games Pokemon Go, Pokemon Let's Go, and from Pokemon Bank, and a two-way transfer to and from the upcoming Switch games Pokemon Sword and Shield. This keeps existing games with their current set of Pokemon, but means the upcoming Switch games will presumably be compatible with all Pokemon released so far, along with its newest species. 
that brings a lot of value. Not content with filling your days with Pokemon, another new app will let you turn your sleep into Pokemon gameplay as well. The appropriately named Pokemon Sleep is a smartphone sleep tracking game due in 2020 that will, according to TPC, bring a gameplay experience unlike any other and which several Snorlax consulted on. Pokemon Go maker Niantic is also involved in this as there will be yet another new version of their popular Pokemon Go Plus accessory. The latest incarnation will be Pokemon Go Plus Plus, no, I'm not even kidding, which can be placed next to your pillow at night to track sleep as well as working as a standard Go Plus during your travels each day. To celebrate all of that, Snorlax will be spawning in Pokemon Go until June the 3rd when exclusive, or excuse me, with the exclusive move, Sleep. And finally, a new smartphone game worked upon by Nintendo mobile partner DNA has been announced as Pokemon Masters. Apparently inspired by a Ken Sigimori idea of having a game which featured all of the series trainers, this game will see you battle gym leaders, rivals, and more from the franchise in team-based battles. Screenshots show a topless Brock, plus Blue, Misty, Cynthia, and more. Out of everything announced today, Pokemon Masters is the closest to release sometime in 2019 for iOS and Android. And that is your lot for now at least. A dedicated Nintendo Direct focusing entirely on Pokemon Sword and Shield will be broadcast at 2 p.m. UK time on the 5th of June, which is just a bit away. Uh, but interesting to see uh, all of these giant announcements coming from the Pokemon company because, of course, Pokemon, very popular around the world. Unbelievably popular around the world. And so to see them going all in on these new ideas and new projects is pretty cool, I must admit. Now, the utilization of Pokemon Sleep, the usefulness of Pokemon Sleep, still up in the air for me. Uh, I'm not sure that I would want to, number one, have Pokemon track my sleep, but potentially it could be a cool way for people to literally Pokemonify their entire lives from beginning to end. When in terms of their day, not from not from birth to death. What are you thinking? Uh, no, but sincerely, this is a very interesting uh, slew of moves. But when it comes down to it, I think the most interesting piece of news announced via the press conference uh, was by all means Pokemon Home, which pretty much unifies the future of Pokemon, where you do have these games uh, using transfer features to and from uh, that are going to be coming out soon, which is something that a ton of people have been wanting for a very long time, and also adds value to the rest of the slew of services, of games, etc. that Pokemon offers in the modern day. But we will see how all of this pans out between 2019 and 2020 because there is still a ton of news to dive into when it comes down to this stuff because more news is going to be coming out as these products do reach their full release. And of course, I will be talking about them right here on Caffeinate. Even though, and let me make this clear, I do not care about Pokemon. None of this will ever be installed on any of my devices, but hey, I'm here to provide the news. Even if I don't care about it, that's what I do. Uh, but as Decky says in the chat, there is a coffin Pokemon someone might want to be buried in. That's coming next year. Don't hold your breath on that one for a 2020 release. But if you die by 2021, knock on wood, let's not do that, then you could be sleeping in a Pokemon casket. We'll call it Pokemon Forever Sleep. Oh God, it's getting dark this early in the morning. Oh God. Uh, but moving on to the next topic of the day, Halo Master Chief Collection for PC News is coming this week with a ton of news inbound via the official Mixer stream.
Halo The Master Chief Collection is coming to PC, and it won't be long until we learn more about Microsoft's plans to release the compilation package on PC. Developers from 343, including Community Director Brian Gerard, Design Director Max Zalgor, and STE Leader Ick Grubb will appear on the 343 social stream on May 29th to provide an update on how the game is coming along. Pause. I believe this individual's name is IK Grubb. That looks to be making much more sense. The panelists will provide a show-and-tell update on Halo Reach and the journey to bring Master Chief Collection on PC. The event begins at 1.30 p.m. Pacific Time, and you can watch the event live on the official Mixer.com Halo. In addition to the live stream, 343 is planning a massive blog post that will dive deep into many topics, including Halo Reach for Halo Master Chief Collection and Master Chief Collection for PC in general. It will truly be a huge info dump, as 343 says the current draft is 22 pages and almost 6,000 words long. Halo Master Chief Collection is coming to PC in stages with each title in the package released and sold separately. This begins with Halo Reach, which is obviously already also coming to the Xbox One and then continues on PC with Halo Combat Evolved, Halo 2, 3, 3 ODST, and then 4. 343 Industries originally planned to launch the first beta back in April for Halo Reach, but it didn't happen as they did kind of have a rolling start date for that. But you could be seeing the potential to play it as soon as E3, because there is another story that leaked out uh, that shows there is actually potentially a demo coming to a Microsoft store near you if you did want to try the game out on PC. Again, that has not been confirmed, but it looks like we could be seeing more news about a beta coming very shortly, and that seems like something that would be announced during the E3 press conference, and again, wouldn't be surprised to see that be the case. But when it comes down to it, we are getting ever so close to actually seeing the release of Halo the Master Chief Collection in PC. Is it a good way to release the game? Potentially. My question is, why are they running into so many issues with this game? It just blows my mind. And again, I'm not an engineer. I'm not a game designer, a developer, any of that. I am none of those. But I just don't understand how you can actually release a game on Xbox One, spend multiple years fixing the game, and then not be able to easily port it to PC. Again, I'm sure there are back-end issues with that that are going to be proposing some issues that I don't understand and that are above my pay grade. Uh, but at the end of the day, hopefully all this shakes out because I would love to have all of these Halo games available on PC, potentially even Halo 5 at some point. I know that one's a far cry, but to have the entire Halo franchise available via PC would be one of the most invaluable resources that I could ever imagine because I make that sound much more important than it is but I love Halo I mean I bought multiple Xboxes just to play Halo originally starting with the 360 then I got the Xbox one then I sold that because PlayStation 4 is by all means superior in terms of storytelling in their games uh, and then I went back and bought an Xbox one X because hey I wanted to play Halo very badly I love Halo. Uh, and so whenever it comes down to it, hopefully the PC versions of the games will continue to hold themselves to that high standard that Halo is known for. But hopefully the launch issues that the original had will not be transferred over to the PC, which I'm sure is why they're taking plentiful amounts of time to avoid those specific issues. Also, welcome back. Uh, but moving on to the next topic of the day, Kojima releases a Death Stranding teaser with more info coming later on this week. And it could actually be coming out later on this week. 
Again, that's a hypothetical. People don't know that yet, but it's something that very well could happen, or at least some kind of demo, a beta, if you will. Anyways, we can speculate all day. Hideo Kojima has posted a new teaser video for his mysterious upcoming PS4 game, Death Stranding. Released on Twitter, the video shows the outline of a hand and the words, create the rope. Some eerie music plays in the background while flashes of mysterious objects appear as well. A second tweet indicates more info will be provided on may the 30th the teaser is hard to make sense of which is par for the course with death stranding check out the video for yourself in the embed below and let us know in the comments they say at GameSpot what you have spotted and of course beyond this sony has now updated its twitch channel for a death stranding takeover that also points towards some kind of impending announcement or trailer though it all remains very vague and so you could be seeing something very very soon and also on top of that, there is a pre-order page that has no link to pre-order up on the PlayStation 4 version of the PlayStation Store. If you did want to jump on and give that a look, it could be taken down, but it's up right now. No release date has been given. However, it is simply there. No event is scheduled for May the 30th where this could be revealed, though a new trailer or something of the sort could always be released on its own. Sony is not attending E3 2019, so we are under the impression that Death Stranding and the company's other first-party games would not be receiving any new updates around the time of E3. The company has already taken to holding Nintendo Direct-style State of Play events, although nothing has been announced on that front. Death Stranding is Kojima's first new game since his split with Konami. Very little is known about the game, and that appears to be intentional, with Kojima weaving secrets into his new trailers and completely and totally throwing me off because I have no idea what's happening in that game. But of course, a very star-studded game, and of course, on top of that, Norman Reedus, famous for his portrayal in The Walking Dead, uh, is saying this is unlike anything that has ever been done before. The concept is so far out into the future, he says. Instead of eliminating everyone around you, it's bringing everyone together. It's a very positive video, uh, video game, but scary and depressing at the same time. It's kind of a new movie. I've never seen anything like we are doing. Uh, now, of course, the game is coming out on PS4 and PC, but we know, again, literally nothing about what this game is actually going to entail. But more info should be coming very shortly as of around May the 30th, which, again, is tomorrow so it could be a big week for Death Stranding fans again some have been speculating that the game is going to be launching tomorrow which would be nuts and literally take the world by storm uh, because people love giant surprise releases but normally it's some kind of free-to-play game or some kind of FPS that's pretty generic not Death Stranding uh, which again I'm not in the boat where I think it's going to be released tomorrow but you could be seeing a beta of course a new trailer a ton of news about the game on top of a definitive release date and of course already coming uh, according to Walmart December 31st 2098 so that's funny uh, anyways we will learn more about this game over the course of the next couple of days but Nintendo has officially confirmed Super Mario Maker 2 does not let you play with friends online and of course they have shared a statement to go along with that reports began to surface yesterday that Super Mario Maker 2 won't let you play with friends online some thought that this could have just been a miscommunication but that apparently is not so Gamesplain followed up with Nintendo and reconfirmed that you can play online with random people. Again, let me reiterate, you can, can, you can play online. There is the infrastructure there to play online, but you cannot actually play with anyone that you are friends with. Nintendo said via a statement, 
This is true. As the game is now, you cannot create friend lobbies online. You can only play online with randoms. You can still get friends together and play with local play, and you are free to play with your four players on one Nintendo Switch system. You can also still challenge your friends to your creations and take on their designs through course IDs and having them follow your maker profile. Gameslane also asked if you can mix and match local and online play. Unfortunately, it appears that will not be so. Uh, but seems like a big drop of the ball here because this seems like the type of game that screams let me play with my friends I mean to be able to link up with your buddies online and play various courses uh, just makes perfect sense and for them to not have this feature out of the gate seems like a giant miss in my book uh, again I'm not sure what they're trying to do on the back end I'm not sure if there are issues on the back end that prevent that kind of compatibility but truly just blows my mind that uh, cross play even uh, between uh, or excuse me that online play between two friends isn't something that we can do in 2019 I don't get it I simply don't this game screams for friends to be able to play together again you can hypothetically work around that and like play each other's courses but to be able to not have or to not have the ability I should say uh, to play with your friends and run the same courses together side by side I don't I don't get it at all literally blows my mind but I digress Nintendo always tends to mess something up in the slightest bit of a way and then people tend to forget about it and then they hope for the future which is where we find ourselves today simply hoping for some kind of patch maybe a new edition maybe uh, the next game will have the features that we all actually genuinely want uh, but I'm not going to be holding my breath on that one either because hey we're talking about Nintendo Moving on to the next topic of the day, the world's largest gaming festival is coming to Singapore in 2020. Singapore's gaming industry is about to get even bigger with the country hosting an Asian edition of Gamescom next year. The world's largest gaming festival and trade show, Gamescom, will be held in Singapore from October 15th to the 18th of 2020. The Singapore Tourism Board signed a memorandum of understanding with the event organizer Cole Nass, I believe I said that correctly, to mark a new partnership for the festival. Organizers are hoping the inaugural Asian edition of Singapore, or in Singapore, will attract more than 30,000 enthusiasts and gaming industry professionals. The the event will be a four-day affair and will consist of an industry gaming conference and a trade and public exhibition. The Gamescom event in Germany last year saw 370,000 visitors and more than 1,000 exhibitors. We feel that the region is hungry and is ready for this, said Matthias Cooper, managing director of Colon S. It's fun, but it's also business. For the end consumers, there are so many gamers here and some of the fastest growing markets in the world. But it's also serious business and has big potential here in the region for global game publishers, investors, and so on who see this as the future market. Singapore is the ideal place to host the event, said Mr. Cooper, and it will also help further the nation's ambition to be an esports hub for the region. Technology expert O. Jin Lee said Gamescom will bring invaluable experience and opportunity to gaming developers here. On a scale of 1 to 10 on the Richter scale, it's like an 11 for the Singapore gaming community, he said. I do hope that there will be segments where they can showcase some of the local game developers. They really need an outlet to show the talent and the expertise of Made in Singapore games. STB's director of exhibitions and conferences, Andrew Fu, said that Air Fuwa, perhaps? Again, lots of names here that I'm probably masquering. But we're rolling with it, said the event will provide a platform for game developers, audio professionals, industry stakeholders, and financiers to look at Singapore as a hub to build content. Singapore provides the neutral marketplace and hub for all these people to come together to learn, to collaborate, and to get new knowledge in terms of thought leadership, he said. 
big deal even though you might not realize it so of course gamescom a massive event that has literally led the industry in terms of bringing gaming professionals together and kind of marrying them with the passion behind the community uh, and creating just an unthinkably huge event i would say of course bigger than e3 by far just to put it into perspective for those that might not be familiar with what it actually brings to the table so of course asia is a huge part of the gaming industry and of course one that is growing very rapidly and so for gamescom to go ahead and jump on board and get gamescom asia rolling just simply makes sense and this is future proofing the conference series whatever you want to call it this is literally making it a mainstay in multiple parts of the world which i think is a fantastic move and one that i think is inevitably going to shine more light on the talent in that specific region and also kind of expose that region to more games from around the world and to those around the world to games games creators from that specific region uh, so if you did want to learn more about gamescom asia again it's happening october 15th to the 18th of 2020 with more info coming very soon and you could be one of those 30,000 people traveling to singapore to check out one of the biggest gaming events on the planet in its newest form However, let's move on to a topic that I wanted to talk about yesterday, but I didn't have time to. Twitch suspends streaming for new users as it fights off artifact trolls. A new anti-trolling measure caps off a worrisome weekend for Twitch, and let me tell you, it was very worrisome. A bad weekend. Twitch says it is suspending new users' ability to stream on the platform as it tries to fight off trolls who bombarded the site over Memorial Day weekend. It all began when some streamers joked about how little activity the corner of Twitch dedicated to Valve's card game Artifact was seeing, leading to a fresh flurry of Artifact streams. But almost none of those streams actually featured the game. Trolls began to stream their own content on Artifact channels, often attempting to jokingly disguise their streams as Artifact DLC or NQ for an Artifact game. The joke quickly spiraled out of control due to lack of initial moderation, and throughout most of the extended holiday weekend, the Artifact directory was a nightmare zone of the worst content the internet has to offer. Dozens of Twitch users streamed pirated media, racist propaganda, hentai, hardcore pornography, depictions of self-mutilation, anime marathons, experimental memes, and at least one instance had the recent Christchurch, New Zealand terrorist attack. Twitch finally addressed the chaos on Tuesday, May the 28th. Over the weekend, we became aware of a number of accounts targeted, targeting the Artifact Game Directory to share content that grossly violates our terms of service, Twitch said via a statement. Our investigators uncovered that the majority of accounts that shared the, and viewed the content were automated accounts. Let me repeat that. We also have the confirmation that the majority of accounts that not only shared but also viewed the content were automated accounts. We are working with urgency to remove the offending content and suspend all accounts engaged in this behavior. In addition, they say in a follow-up tweet, we have temporarily suspended the ability for new creators to stream. We take these violations very seriously and are taking measures to prevent this kind of coordinated activity on our service in the future. Despite these measures, checking the artifact section on Twitch on Tuesday evening, over an hour after this statement was posted, shows plenty of non-artifact content. There are currently over 11,000 viewers in the directory, and dozens of streamers are broadcasting a music video of a baby seal, which admittedly is a little bit less volatile and less hostile as compared to the other stuff that has been on there. 
The battle for the artifact section is a concerning one, as Twitch hosts many categories for games with low viewer and population counts. Twitch will need to figure out a solution for this issue that can be applied sidewide in the future, as it seems likely that artifact won't be the last time that malicious actors take the opportunity to use the streaming platform for the wrong reasons. We are very sorry for the inconvenience, Twitch said on Twitter. The safety of our community is the top priority, and we are doing everything we can to restore all access as quickly as possible, and we will provide an update when we are able to do so a bad weekend for twitch i noticed this when i was at the beach of course went on vacation but as it tends to go completely and totally addicted to twitter so i was monitoring things as they unfolded and it was just absolutely embarrassing to see the type of content that was being shared on twitch over the weekend stuff that no one should ever see specifically the shooting uh which has been taken down in many media outlets pretty much abide by this unspoken rule of don't share things like that anymore uh so to see that kind of content specifically was sickening to say the least but more so revealing of just how unprepared uh twitch seemed to be when it came time to actually test their moderation skills and i think it's something that they're going to have to battle with over the course of the next few years it's something that is going to remain an issue uh simply because Twitch is very, very open. And of course, as they said, they shut off the ability for new streamers to stream or new accounts to stream. But at the same time, up until that point and in the future, as they do roll back that moderation feature, anybody can jump on and within five minutes with the accessibility and the online knowledge base, uh, database, if you will, of ways to stream, streaming guides, etc. Anybody can put out anything within a matter of moments. And that's something that is incredibly enticing for a lot of people, including myself, to create their own content. But it's also enticing for those that might not want to create content and instead create chaos and put uh, bad content content back out onto the net whenever other sources have taken it down. And that's something that is incredibly dangerous and something that has to be addressed, but there is no easy way. There is no one answer uh, to address what exactly is happening uh, when it comes down to how to moderate Twitch site-wide. It's literally nearly impossible. So we will see what happens as Twitch begins to address this problem. It's one that I'm thankful I don't directly have uh, to deal with because it's going to be a big, big issue. Uh, as more people begin to take advantage of this as well. As they said, there are many directories on Twitch that have little to no viewership, and it almost reminds me in a way of Soda Poppin's use of the joy of sex whenever there was a game he was playing that wasn't on the Twitch directory. Of course, that one has since been taken down, which also presents the question, will Twitch eventually take down low viewership directories for older games, for games that have little to no viewership? What's the move here, you know? I suppose we will have to wait and see. But... Let's talk about the games because Super Hot has passed 2 million lifetime sales. VR accounts for around 40% of the game's total sales, which is a big chunk to say the least. In just over three years, abstract indie shooter Superhot has sold more than 2 million units. Superhot team business developer Tom Saz, I'm not even going to try to say that last name, Kaxmarkzik, sure, revealed the figure while speaking with PC Games Insider.biz at Digital Dragons in Krakow this week. Originally launched as an Xbox exclusive, Superhot reportedly sold between 1.2 million and 1.5 million units of the regular game. It depends on how you count because there is a blurred boundary between copies you give away almost for free in big bundles, sales, and so on, he says. 
However, the game also has sold over 800,000 VR units, accounting for around 40% of its lifetime sales. Despite being the studio's only release and coming out over three years ago, he's reported the company revenue has grown year on year between 2017 and 2018. It's been going very well for us, he's added. Luckily, Superhot is somewhat timeless. The game's mechanic or art style doesn't really get old. We don't see that much of a decline in sales and are usually or excuse me, as usually expected for a video game. That's a mix of our own efforts and making sure that we are running discounts and sales properly and making it a more approachable game for new people. And I would agree that Superhot is very incredibly approachable. Of course, for those that don't know the idea behind Superhot and Superhot VR for that matter, uh, basically, uh, there are these faceless, sort of abstract characters that you shoot at, and the whole concept is that time only moves when you do. So as you move your joystick or your control on your keyboard, whatever you might use, uh, then the time begins to move. Then when you stop, it slows down to a near crawl. So essentially, it's like playing a giant game of the Matrix, and there are multiple guns. You can go as fast as you want, as slow as you want. Uh, it's a very enticing game because of the ability for you to be able to approach issues in any kind of way, shape, or form, that's a very valuable game because the replay value is very high. On top of that, there is an endless mode that you can take advantage of. And of course, VR adds a completely new mechanic to the game that really does bring you into it, as VR tends to do. Uh, but it's a game that works very well on VR because it's not uh, taxing in terms of the textures. It's not trying to be a game that looks aesthetically pleasing in terms of detailed trees, grass that moves, hair settings etc like the witcher 3 had it's not a game that's trying to do that it is an objectively beautiful minimalistic game and of course that works well with VR technology. So if you do want to dive in, Superhot tends to go on sale pretty often. It's bundled in with a lot of stuff. But without a doubt, I would highly recommend it. Very, very fun game. And if you love it enough, you might get addicted to it. And then you might have gaming disorder, which is officially a disease according to the World Health Organization. The World Health Organization has added gaming disorder to the list of diseases it officially recognizes. The WHO now considers gaming disorder amongst the diseases in the International Statistical Classification of Diseases and Related Health Problems in its 11th revision. The revision will not, however, take effect until January 1st of 2022. The official page describes it as a pattern of gaming behavior, digital gaming or video gaming, categ uh, categorized, characterized, uh, rather, by impaired control over gaming, increasing priority given to gaming over other activities to the extent that gaming takes precedence over other interests and daily activities, and continuation or escalation of gaming despite the occurrence of negative consequences. That last one we'll talk about in a moment. In the page, the WHO says the decision to include gaming disorder in ICD-11 came after reviewing available evidence reflecting a consensus of experts from different disciplines and geographical regions. And so apparently there are people that agree this is true. The WHO first revealed its intention to include gaming disorder as a disease in January of last year, and the first draft was put together in June of 2018. Response from the video games industry remained negative throughout. Following this news, industry reps from the US, Europe, and six other countries put out a joint statement that calls upon the WHO to reconsider. There is significant debate among medical professionals about today's WHO action. We are concerned they reached their conclusion without the consensus of the academic community. The 
consequences of today's action could be far-reaching, unintended, and to the detriment of those in need of genuine help, reads the statement. We encourage and support healthy gameplay by providing information and tools such as parental controls that empower billions of people around the world to manage their play to ensure it remains enjoyable and enriching. As with all good things in life, moderation is key and that finding the right balance is an essential part of safe and sensible play. And that is what I want to riff on for just a moment. The first instinct, whenever you are somebody who loves gaming, I mean, I have a gaming podcast. I tend to like it a little bit. You want to defend the gaming industry and you want to defend the hobby and the passion that you've fallen in love with. And that's the first instinct that everybody pretty much had is that why is this, why is this a gaming dis, why is, why? And so you see that going on on Twitter, you see that online. And again, I fell into that as well. Didn't say anything publicly, but I was thinking it. And then whenever you take a step back to reconsider, there is some credence to this actual classification. And I think there is even a bit of admittance in this public display of a response from video game professionals. Again, moderation is key and that finding the right balance is an essential part of safe and sensible play. That statement alone implies that there are people that do not have a sense of balance, that have not passed go, and that have not collected $200 because they've been too busy playing WoW to actually go to work. There are people out there with a gaming disorder. That's what it comes down to. And to classify it as that, I think, might be the right move. Again, it's something that is going to have potentially far-reaching implications and that could change over the years and it could become a bit of a mess. But at the same time, it's something that needs to be classified because there are people out there that genuinely have a real problem. And to not call it what it is, to brush it off as somebody just playing a lot of video games, that might not be a healthy approach. Again, these are just my couple of thoughts on it, but I did want to go ahead and put out some kind of report on this from my own perspective, because again, I feel like I might have a bit of a variation. Uh, of course, at Slasher on Twitter was pretty much just making fun of the entire situation. And of course, a lot of disability jokes went around on Twitter, which was kind of gross, uh, considering there are people with real disabilities that are crippling. Uh, but I digress. I'm not here to play, you know, PC police or anything like that. What it comes down to, WHO, the World Health Organization, has classified gaming disorder as a genuine real thing. So hey, if your mom says you're addicted to video games, now she might be right. Ooh. Anyways, that rounds out today's top gaming news. Of course, if you are brand new to the show, it's hosted five days a week right here on twitch.tv slash Samuel Adams. And then it is taken down and put up on youtube.com slash Samuel Adams Media, as well as podcast services around the world if you did want to check out that show in an audio format. But until tomorrow, you guys have a phenomenal rest of your Wednesday. I will talk to you soon, and peace.